BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022 by making investments from coast to coast. Investments like building charging hubs for fleets of electric buses in California and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. VR training platforms like the one developed by Fundamental VR and Orbis International are helping surgeons train over and over before operating on real patients. As you practice each skill, the muscle memory starts to develop. Learn more at meta.com slash metaverse impact. everyone and welcome back to Rotten Tomatoes is Wrong. It's your girl Jacqueline and I'm back yet once again with my fearless co-host Mr. Mark Ellis. How are you doing sir? Jacqueline I had a great weekend of football and I was going to talk to you about how the the Super Bowl is officially set now. Neither one of our teams are going to be participating but you just pointed out something moments before we went to air that you had dead flowers in your background. (laughs) Now here's my here's my question because you may know this better than I do. Aren't all flowers that you receive dead? I mean, no. They're just recently deceased, and so they still look nice, but they're dead, right? No, they're not dead. That's why you put them in water, because they're still but alive. But they are on life support. Like, basically, yeah, these are these are like <laughs> plants that are like got a terminal disease. So, like, yeah, getting they, clipped <laughs> is like stage four cancer. They're not going to get better. Yeah. Like, we know the end is coming. How long <laughs> is really depends on, like, the modern medicine of plant food and water that and sunlight. Is, Perfect, because it's almost like when you give someone flowers, like for Valentine's Day is coming up. That's why we're talking about this movie, if you want to call yeah. it that. Is it if you hand somebody, uh, fellas, I want you to do this for Valentine's Day. Hand your sweetheart a dozen roses and say, we'll just try to keep them comfortable. Like that's all they're basically you're handing you're handing somebody something in palliative care at this point. Yeah. I mean, listen, I will say that even the silliness of flowers and mm-hmm. chocolates and all of it. The romance <laughs> that allowed this movie to be a billion dollar franchise. Yep. And the fan fiction that spawned it from the Twilight <laughs> books that spawned those. It's just great that we get to talk about it here today because I have such a complicated relationship with this movie, but it came out Valentine's Day weekend. It has a current rotten score of 25% on the tomato meter, but an audience score of a slightly better 41, but still very comfortably rotten. Are you building up the suspense as to what the movie is? People are on the edge of their seat. I'm talking about Fifty Shades of Grey. Yeah. A movie that made half a billion dollars at the box office that spawned an entire generation of angry men pissed because their (laughs) girlfriend dragged them to it that weekend over the Kingsman, I might add. That was the other option that weekend. Get okay. to that later. But I mean, Mark, is this I think I know, but I'm guessing this was like a schmo movie you had to watch and you probably hated every minute of it. Um, Christian Harloff and I, not to be confused with another Christian, had a great time seeing this movie. And we did see a Valentine's Day weekend. I remember that. And it is so funny that this movie opened against the Kingsmen because they have some shared DNA here. Both of them feature secret rooms that not a lot of people have seen. And there's a lot of fun toys in those rooms. Now, I and am clever doing jokes show. about butt stuff. 
there's a lot of jokes. There's a lot of butt stuff in general with both of these franchises now. I am performing this podcast in full Christian Grey mode, where what I mean by that is that I just exercised. And now I'm back and I am still sweaty and I'm still gross. But hey, ladies, I mean, isn't that isn't that what you want? If you're Dakota Johnson, you want a little sweaty Christian Gray who's got this secret sex room and then all sorts of weird things happen. But you signed an NDA, so you can't talk to anybody about it. So much to talk about with this movie. And I know Jacqueline and I both have complicated feelings about this movie. So this isn't going to be a straight crap fest. This might be a love fest at some points, but it's going to be a conversation you do not want to miss. Absolutely. Uh, since this movie did come out on Valentine's Day weekend, though, real quick before we get to the synopsis, Mark, I just have a question. Like, you are very, what's the word I'm looking for? Happily single. Aggressively single. Aggressively single. My dating status is kept up tighter than like the vaults of MI5. <laughs> Because it's none of your business. But as a concept, how do you feel about Valentine's Day? As a concept, I'm actually fine with it. I know it's trendy for people who are single to say, oh, it's just a stupid corporate holiday. It's just it's the big chocolate is just making it to get our money. I think it's great. I think it's nice that couples have a day. Um, and, and it's actually nice because it's easier than an anniversary, in my opinion, to remember. Because even a birthday, it's just some random thing. But everybody knows what February 14th is. Now, this particular one is going to be interesting. I'm very happy, as I usually am around this time that I do not have a betrothed because the Super Bowl is the day before Valentine's Day. And so you you go right from the Super Bowl to Valentine's Day. I think people should get work off. I, I think you should get the day <laughs> off because it, yeah. it's a Monday. You should just get the day off, especially guys. You're not thinking about the Valentine's Day. You're just thinking about the big game the day before. And so then you're going to be scrambling around. You don't want to be at work when you got to buy those last minute flowers, chocolates, um, beads. What if you're inspired by Fifty Shades of Grey? There's a lot of things. There's a lot of contraptions to purchase possibly. So I feel like you should get the day off if for no other reason than to revisit a film franchise like the Fifty Shades. Excellent. Very nice save with that. Um, I'm not going to talk about my feelings about Valentine's Day, but all I will say is to all of the ladies listening right now to Rotten Tomatoes is wrong. You know what? I'm going to even put this out there. Anyone listening to Rotten Tomatoes is wrong. If you've ever thought about shooting your shot with Mr. Mark Ellis, I want you to give your best DM to him <laughs> during the Super Bowl and like during tear him Super away Bowl. from the Super Bowl if you can with a nice thirsty DM. And hopefully, maybe one of y'all can conflict him enough to want to buy you a chocolate the day after. I'm just going to put that gauntlet out there. And I have a feeling our fans are going to come through. Anyway, All though, right, well, before it, they fair do that, warning, that DM ain't going to get checked until the day after the Super Bowl, because I'm not checking DMs when I'm watching the game. Sorry, ladies. I just love that. I hopefully this will happen. It may not, but I just hope it does. Anyway, Mark. <laughs> Before you get flooded by very thirsty listeners, can you mm -hmm. give us the who, what, what, why, where of Fifty Shades of Grey? Oh, let's take a walk down memory lane, folks. So Fifty Shades of Grey started out way back as possibly Twilight fan fiction, and then it spawned into a book series, and the book was about a man 
and a woman, and they fell for each other, kind of not really. So you have this super successful, super mysterious guy, Christian Gray, and then you have Dakota Johnson's character. And now Dakota Johnson's character is someone who is just interviewing Christian Gray. It's a quick interview. It's a hi, how are you kind of thing. And then there's sparks. There's chemistry. And it's not the kind of chemistry where they're just going to be making out right away. It's the kind of chemistry where, hey, you're like this and I'm like this. And I don't really know if this is going to work. But there's an intrigue there. There's some sort of intrigue. And for Dakota Johnson, it's like, hey, this guy has a lot of cool toys. And for Christian Gray, played by Jamie Dornan, it's uh, I think that this is going to be a fun conquest for me to dominate. So you have in the bedroom the dominator, who's him, and the submissive, who is her, and a lot of Sex games ensue and a lot of intrigue is uncovered and there's a lot of drama and it, I don't know there's a lot of romance, but there's a lot of um, heat in this movie. Yes, there's a lot of heat in this movie. And I would say that is a, a very great synopsis. But if you don't mention chains, whips and lip biting, I feel like we've missed a significant portion of what makes this movie great. But there is there's a room. There's a room that the kids shouldn't go. I don't know which room I would rather enter less. The artifact room from The Conjuring or Christian Grey's sex dungeon room because there's a lot of things that should never be unearthed by mankind. Wow. I would definitely tell you that I would take Christian Grey's dungeon room, but I think that's the way it's supposed to be. Uh, let's go ahead and think back to this moment because this was a very, I would say... Big Rotten Tomatoes movie. There's certain movies mm -hmm. that like the conversation around the movie, Rotten Tomatoes is like intricately in. And this movie yep. is absolutely one of those. Uh, so I'm really interested to see what Tim has to say. So Tim, take it away. Two men with Tim. E.L. James's book, Fifty Shades of Grey, was the first ebook to sell a million copies. And one of the reasons, as James's agent Valerie Hoskins told the New York Times, in the 21st century, women have the ability to read this kind of material without anybody knowing what they're reading, because they can read them on their iPads and Kindles. So it was a contradiction. The book everybody was talking about was also the book that people were keeping to themselves. A movie was inevitable, and while critics were impressed with its then-lesser-known star Dakota Johnson, there was a sense that what might have worked for readers on the page had a habit of looking kind of silly on the screen. Fifty Shades of Grey is rotten at 25% on the tomato meter with 281 reviews, and it has a 47% audience score. And for the record, the two follow-ups, Fifty Shades Darker and Fifty Shades Freed, are both at 11%. So what did the critics have to say? In a rotten review, Lindsay Barr of the Associated Press wrote, We may have been curious going in, but by the time the credits roll, there's another question that springs to mind. Is that all there is? However, in a fresh review, Monica Castillo of the International Business Times wrote, Actress Dakota Johnson brings humor, sensitivity, and vulnerability to Anastasia, making her the clear breakout performance of Fifty Shades. I've been doing my absolute best to avoid double entendres in this segment, but duty requires me to read the Rotten Tomatoes critic consensus, so here goes. While creatively better endowed than its print counterpart, Fifty Shades of Grey is less than satisfying experience on the screen. So that's Fifty Shades of Grey. Let's kick it back to Jacqueline Mark, who are unlikely to treat their mission on this podcast with the high-minded professionalism that I hope you've come to expect from me. Back to you, folks. Oh, Tim. I do love him, but I also love what I was thinking about was what he said about, I forgot that Fifty Shades of Grey sold a million copies and it was the first book to do that. I really did forget about that. First ebook, yeah. Yeah, first ebook to do that. And the other thing he pointed out, which is cannot be understated, is the, the book 
that made this movie uh, because it had this like black and white cover where people didn't know you were talking about like chains and whips and, you know, nipple clamps. It was better than like Harlequin romance novels where they got like the dude and the shirt and the Fabio and that kind of thing. These these books are way worse than that as far as like how graphic they were. Not near as graphic as the ones that I'm about to talk about in the course of this podcast. But I don't know. It was just really interesting thinking about that. Like it made uh, it more mysterious. It like turned that whole genre on its ear a little bit because it wasn't like Fabio on a ship with his hair billowing. It's like, oh, it's a very nondescript cover. So what's inside? Oh my good lord! Look at all of this, st- and it just makes me exhausted. Like I'm gonna say, Rotten Tomatoes is. I, I actually think Rotten Tomatoes is a little low here. I and I know that that is gonna be a scalding hot take. I think 25% is a little too low for this movie because I do think that there are some redeeming values about this one. It gets more and more ridiculous as we progress. And so having not seen either one of the sequels, I I guarantee you they get even more and more ridiculous as we continue on. But I think for this movie itself, I think that there are some redeeming values that we will talk about. Oh, man, you just put a gauntlet down. Folks, please make this episode a hit so I can force Mark to watch the entire Fifty Shades of Grey series. Please, please, please. All right. I, I'm i going to go ahead and say this. I like this movie. Okay. No, no, no. You, We heard you. I do. The, the, I the do world like heard this you. Mo- I do like this movie. And it is fresh, in my opinion. It wow. is fresh. I genuinely enjoy this movie. I should be clear, though. I enjoy this movie more for what it could be. I enjoy this movie more because I really like Sam Taylor Johnson's direction. And we'll get to this when we get into the behind the scenes and sort of talking more about it. She had to fight very hard to make this movie, I think, visually appealing, even if the plot and the dialogue were neither of which. But we'll get to all of that in more detail. But first, let's go ahead and talk about the movie. Brian, cue the music. Okay, so Mark, was the movie the first time you heard about this or did you hear about all the Dirty Housewives and mommy porn? Oh, I remember hearing mommy porn. I remember hearing Dirty Housewives. But the thing about this movie, though, is that once it was announced that it was a movie, that it was in production, you thought, oh, this is going to be something. And then the Valentine's Day release date, it just seemed like the stars were aligning where it didn't matter how good or bad this movie was going to be. It was going to be a hit. And so I I think the thing that I look for in movies like these are some sort of sparks between the two leads where it doesn't have to be a silly rom-com. It doesn't have to be Tom Hanks and Meg Ryan on a volcano or owning bookstores, anything like that. You just want to see some sort of sparks. But what was interesting about Fifty Shades of Grey, and this is one of the reasons why I actually like the movie, is that Jamie Dornan's character, Christian, and Dakota Johnson's character, Anastasia, they do not have any chemistry when they first meet. And that's the point. I think that a lot of people were pinning it on, oh, that's bad acting. They have no, there's no fire between them. That's kind of the idea with this movie is that we're trying to avoid love. We're trying to avoid feelings at all costs. And so to see them put up those walls, I thought that was, okay, I see what we're doing here. And so that awkward interview that she has with Christian Grey at the beginning of the movie, where she's only interviewing him because she's taking the bullet for her roommate at the time she has this awkward thing and it doesn't work out, but he sees something in her. She is sees something in him. And then the movie definitely gets into 
stupid, mind-numbing territory <laughs> more than once. But it does have a... I, I liked it because it took a different turn than what you would normally get from a hot, steamy, romantic film. Well, that's a good first take. And I will say that it's very generous for, I will say, a man. Most men <laughs> were so over this thing. Ophthalmologist Dr. Strauss has seen firsthand how the metaverse is helping surgeons practice the procedures to treat cataracts. Cataracts are the primary cause of avoidable blindness. He works with a virtual reality training platform developed by Fundamental VR and Orbis International to help surgeons develop the muscle memory they need. The result? More confident, capable surgeons. And even more importantly, patients who can see. Explore more stories like Dr. Strauss's at meta.com slash metaverse impact. I should add that my first impressions of 50 grays, the 50 shades of gray are very entwined because I was a twihard. I read all of those books. Mm -hmm. Kind of grew out of them in a lot of ways because like I really liked it when the novel came out. I think I was still in college or like very shortly after I graduated and I was like, oh no, I really dig this. Like, I'm like, yay, you know what I mean? So um, I just liked it. I liked romance novels and for a romance novel, which I have to explain to people, this is not like my fancy literary novels that I read uh, for like enrichment and like improving my life and disposition. I read it because it's dirty, it's quick, it's got love and there's usually a happy ending or at and least- she still does read those folks. Yeah, she still oh, I does still does. I have like, this is what's great about this is I don't think we've included the audience to a very big part of mine and Mark's relationship, which is that I will give him the play by play of my romance novels that have sports bents because there's an entire like vertical of them and they're like sports stars falling in love with their agent or their assistant or whatever. And I was like, I'm like, I just want Mark to read some of these so he can like critique them for the sports accuracy. Oh, I'm on the edge of my seat. <laughs> I'm calling Jacqueline on weekends. And I'm like, hey, did the assistant coach of the high school team fall in love with that hot single mom? Like, yes. did, did, did this happen yet? Um, and by the way, I give him the like the play-by-play -play of these books as I'm reading them in the hopes that maybe one day I'll encourage him to actually read them, which I actually think he would like, but mostly just to make him laugh and giggle. And this was just part of that. So like, I had read all the Twilight books, um, I only liked the first movie of that one and I read all the Fifty Shades of Grey books and I only liked the first movie of this one. It stays through the same. And the reason I did is because it was pretty. I liked watching these people fall in love. I don't care that it's stupid uh, and not really that sexy. It just hits that sort of tic-tac, disposable romance thing. And there are way better written romance novels. There are way better written romances that we've seen on screen. But I can put this movie on and I'm with it. I'm with it. I'm with it through the whole thing. Okay, yeah, I, I have a question about that. I also want to ask Producer Lucy her feelings on the movie as a whole, simply because I, I don't... Okay, full disclosure, Lucy was very excited this weekend um, because for a while, I didn't know we were doing Fifty Shades of Grey. And then Lucy's like, hey, are you excited for this episode? And I'm like, oh, right, I got to watch that movie this weekend. Lucy seemed like she was very, very pumped either to have us talk about this movie or maybe for herself to shoehorn in her love for the movie. Lucy, is, is this movie fresh? I'm going to be honest. As she's holding um, a martini. Yeah, one second. <laughs> and I spelled it all. It is like 830 in the morning. It's fine. We're <laughs> Angelinos. It's fine. We do this. You're a great mother. I am. Um, so I'm going to, okay. I have a confession to make. I watched the trailer to kind of get into the movie and then I didn't watch it. 
and I watched Event Horizon instead, which wow. messed me up. I don't blame you. That we got to cover that movie at some point. But I have always struggled, like attempting to watch this movie. I saw somebody review it once, and they were and they said something along the lines of, "It's like not that sexy," and like the books yeah. go like hard, and then the movie kind of like pulls back a little bit, mm-hmm. and. I don't know. I'm just, I'm like nervous to watch it. So I'm kind of waiting to see what you guys say about it. Cause I'll make my decision by the end of the show. <laughs> it's a good, it's a good question. I guess Jacqueline is, does the movie go hard enough and read all the double entendres into that you want? Um, I feel like once you, once you see what the, 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 the toy room, the playroom, the rec room is like, which is the, the sex dungeon that uh, Christian Gray keeps very, uh, very guarded. It's under lock and key. Nobody sees it until he's ready for them to see it. And once we see all of the many things that you can do in there, I do feel like we, we don't get a lot with that. It's kind of like if you were to watch a Mortal Kombat movie and you only got one quick fight with Sub-Zero. It's like, well, that I mean, I, that's why I'm here is mm-hmm. to see all of these things. And, and but again, what, what do you expect? This girl's a virgin. She is a virgin. I don't even know if she's ever kissed a boy. I, I do not think that Anastasia has ever kissed another human being in her life. So you expect her to go right from that to all your sex swings and your weird balls that go God I mean, knows to where. to her credit, she doesn't really. She is like a reluctant host. If you want to give me a whole thing of why Anastasia Steele is a poorly written character, I could give you pages. But the thing I will tell you is you're already focusing in on the the worst part. The reason why Anastasia Steele is a compelling character is she's ordinary, silly, and literally everyone around her is completely infatuated with her. She's a woman who does not understand her power. And if you don't understand why that is something that will get teenage girls and moms who are feeling like, you know, the only thing they're built to do at that moment is care for children and they're losing their agencies. If you don't understand why that is something those heifers would lap up, you don't understand women. You know what I mean? It's just this idea of being special and extraordinary when everyone else dismisses you. It is literally the start of every sci-fi movie you've ever seen from Star Wars, you know what I mean? To everything we see in the MCU. That is the same thing in this thing. It's something extraordinary coming from something ordinary. Now the extraordinary is a great love, quote unquote, but that's what it is. And that's what girls and women sometimes are yearning for. And so to see a superhero version in some ways uh, with all of the superhero tropes that comes with it. I, I get it. I get why people are with it. I get why people are about it. And it came out at a time when women, I think very quite rightly, were looking for ways to explore their personal sexuality in a way that felt safe, that didn't feel as intimidating as like opening an entire uh, web browser of everything that the internet has to offer. It's a little bit simpler to just take a little pull into the into the Fifty Shades of Grey. And this movie is part of that. Like, and and the things that they liked about the book are very much there in the movie. And they've elevated so many things that were in the book visually in the movie. And so it's not a good source material. But I feel like if Sam Taylor Johnson would have been given her right, she could have turned that shitty source material into a really good and compelling book, but she was kind of hamstrung. But we'll get to that later. Did you have any scenes that you liked though, Mark? I did. I, I, I like the scene where you're swept up in what Anastasia hopes is going to be this budding romance and where Christian Grey is doing his best to keep himself his normal guarded 
persona, which is where they take the helicopter to his pad. Because mm. it's like, it, it, I do have a beef with the scene too, is that I believe the premise was we're going to go get dinner. And they never eat. They never have <laughs> dinner. And it is very, very hard for me to do whatever I'm doing after dinner until I've been fed. And so... The, <laughs> Yeah, he promised her a meal and there was no meal. There's this no felt meal. very this felt very Banya in Seinfeld. Yeah. No escaping now. November 1224, Charlie Tango ready to depart. Roger that, Charlie Tango. Your flight plan from Portland to Seattle is cleared. Seattle? That's where we're going? <laughs> He can fly, folks. He, he flies a helicopter to his uh, mysterious place and they land. And then before they do anything, they have they have a glass of wine. Again, no sustenance at this point. They have a glass of wine. And then he puts the NDA in front of her, which he makes everybody sign before they do anything. Because, you know, the lawyers and all that stuff. And we know what he's about to do. So the NDA makes everything feel dirty. But what I like about this is that there's two there's a moment leading up to this scene. And there's a moment right after this scene that both show us that this girl is having a different effect on this boy than he's used to. And the first scene is where they make out in the elevator. So she gets drunk and at a bar with her with her pal. And then he somehow knows where she is. And so he picks her up. He rescues her from her friend who wanted to be more than a friend. Anyway, they pass out in a hotel room um, and then they make out. They make out the next morning in an elevator against his better judgment. And so it's like, oh, OK, I see where this is going. And then after she signs the NDA and they have some sort of kind of sort of make out session, he breaks his other rule where he actually sleeps in bed with her. And so we, we we're just peeling away the layers of who this guy, he lives such a disciplined life in all aspects, and yet there's something different about Anastasia. And so the stifled chemistry, I think, works for this particular plot. And the the, the two leads, I found not, I, I the, the dialogue's horrible. It's the worst part of this movie to me, is, is the dialogue the that they're forced to say. Because I remember watching this movie not knowing a lot about Jamie Dornan and thinking, like, they, they, why didn't they get a better actor? And then you see Jamie Dornan in something like Belfast, and you're like, holy crap, this guy's amazing. It's just um, he was doing Fifty Shades. Um, it's really funny that you mentioned Belfast because, and the slight name drop, but it's funny because it's the two leads of this. Uh, Belfast and The Lost Daughter, which is the movie that Dakota Johnson is in that Maggie Gyllenhaal directed, and Belfast is the movie that Jamie Dornan's in that Kenneth Branagh directed, mm -hmm. were both at Telluride. And they did a talk together and they did a picture together, Dakota Johnson and Jamie Dornan. And it was kind of, I think, the first picture that they've done together since they were both in Fifty Shades of Grey. And... I've talked to Jamie and he's talked about like, we'll get to this in the movie talk section. There was like rumors that they weren't close. First of all, Jamie was the replacement for this role. There was somebody mm -hmm. else that was cast originally. We'll get into all that as well. But it was awkward for him. Like this movie became such a phenomenon that him just like holding hands with Dakota, he knew that it would bring up all this stuff again of like, oh, are they really close? Do they really like each other? No. They were dealing with one of the craziest things in the world. Like they were just trying to navigate it without losing their minds and looking back on it now. I get it. Like I would be a little bit like 
stunted too in some of that. I mean, like he's married, she's dating somebody else and everyone just wants them to like run off into the sunset together. It's weird. Yeah, it's it, you You really can't. It, in, in modern society, it almost seems like if you're filming a movie like this, you either have to fall in love and be a couple or the rumors fly that you hate, hate each, each other. other. And the truth is usually, usually somewhere in the middle where you're just working. I'm sure filming sex scenes is no fun. It, it, it looks like a hoot. I'm sure it's awkward and it's and, and there's people all over the place and and you're on a set and there's there's blocking and you got to make sure that stuff is seen and not seen and it's just it, it does seem like a lot of work now i don't care about any of that when i'm watching the movie i'm just having a good time you jacqueline what is your scene in this movie that you say ah that's why because you said this movie's fresh yes, why is I this movie this fresh movie, in your barely head? fresh very barely fresh and it's only fresh in my heart for some very personal reasons but i do think it's fresh it's it's a movie that i when I put it on, I was not bored. I was still watching it. I was interested. And I turned off Sundance movies to watch this. The scene that I love, fucking love this scene, which by the way, the glider scene is great. It's got that great Ellie Gould song underneath it that really sort of like, <laughs> I think lifts everything. Also shout out to this movie for telling the truth about NDAs because that is actually a thing in Hollywood where people put out NDAs before you can have sex with a celebrity. There are several celebrities who have now come out as NDA sex people. Literally I need to get thing. on that. I need to get my. I need to get an NDA <laughs> person. Lucy is so scandalized by that sentence. I just want to say, Lucy's like, really? I'm like, yeah, no. Christian Grey was like telling the truth about something that was already happening. But anyway, and the fact that Dakota <laughs> and the fact that E.L. James was a publicist, I'm like, this heifer knew. Lucy, can you can you drum up a couple NDAs for me, and can you get a couple gift baskets together just in case? Because you just uh, never know. Oh gosh. Honestly, if you need an NDA before you engage in anything, I feel like you've gone too far. <laughs> I mean, That's or they're personal. just, but it's not about the sex thing. It's literally about like, look at all these stories you have now of like some girl that went on a date with some celebrity. She goes and makes a TikTok about it. And then their life is like, hey, listen, hey, listen, consequences, baby. But it's you got to live matter, with the <laughs> But it's not even a matter of them doing anything. You just don't want. Like basically, if you're a celebrity, like I actually, first of all, I am never gonna sign an NDA to sleep with someone. However, <laughs> I do understand if let's say right now you are Finn Wolfhard or you are, I'm trying to think of somebody else who's just like so, Andrew Garfield. If I was he gonna had say a, your boy, Timothy. Timothy, all of these people, it's like, I get while they're like worried that like, you know, looking at the wrong situation, depending on through whose eyes you look at it. I'm not talking about like dirty shit. I'm talking about like, this was a bad date. Like, I didn't like him. He was rude. Like, that's enough. There's the entire one thing TikTok threads. I, I think most most celebrities would hate. The one thing that I would not mind at all is, you know how you see this occasionally? I saw, I've seen it with a couple NBA players where they're, whoever they slept with the next morning takes a picture of them sleeping and posts it on social media to like exactly. prove, hey, I'm in bed with this guy. Exactly. I would not mind that because I look adorable asleep. No. I am so hot. My headshot should be me sleeping. I am just so cute when I'm awake, hideous. When I am in bed asleep though, that's, that's my best light. So feel free to take all the pictures you want when I'm passed out. I would say that if you're building a relationship with someone, they should not need an NDA, but I think that's the point. These interactions are not with women they're trying to build a relationship with. They're right. just the right. girl of the right. hour. We yeah. can go. You can go have a girl of the hour, Mark, and probably not have any retribution. Not that you do. Nah. I could do the same thing. 
a little bit harder See, for certain thing. people. Th this movie inspires people, and what I appreciate about it is that it does. I think it inspires couples actually. Like this is being real. Is that if you're a couple, you go see this movie. It might reinvigorate some of your bedroom life, and I think that's good. It might put some some sugar and some spice back in there. You don't have to go as crazy as the sex dungeon does, but you know you could maybe try some different things. Have yeah. fun with it. I yeah. am not the kind of person, so I can't relate to Christian Gray at all. Other than, you know, we both enjoy working out in the morning. I, anything else that guy does in life, I can't relate to it because I, I, I don't want to just do the, the sex stuff. But he seems to thrive on it, or at least he seems to be white knuckling it and trying to not fall in love. So yeah. your scene is your scene like before they, no, yeah. They, yeah, they, 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 they consummate the relationship or is it like way after? Um, I believe it is after they've had sex. So first of all, the scene that I absolutely love is the negotiation scene where they sit down and she's in the tight skirt and they're sitting across from each other and it's like the red section. First of all, that scene is not the way that's set up in the movie. That is a director making a choice. Mm -hmm. And if you look at it, she took this very, I would say, plebeian verbal interaction between the two of them where they were emailing each other about this contract and made it into this very like tense scene. Like, do you remember this scene? Like, it's like you're, you're dialed into everything that's happening here and they're discussing things like butt plugs, but it's comedic. It's still seductive because they're not actually touching each other. It's real and you feel it. So like, love that. Turn to page five, appendix three, soft limits. With you. Find anal fisting. I'm all ears. Strike it out. Strike out vaginal fisting, too. You sure? Yeah. Same page. Is the use of sex toys acceptable to the submissive? Vibrators, okay. Dildos, fine. Genital clamps? Absolutely not. Consider them gone. What are butt plugs? I love the way that she shot the love scene. Um, adding just enough titillation, but also I think keeping it sexy. Anytime Sam Taylor Johnson, I felt like any day that E.L. James was either not on the set or yelling at some other uh, stakeholder was a day when ELJ, when, when Sam Taylor Johnson got to make an actual movie. And what's crazy about this is so much of what I love was her involvement. Her original casting for Christian, Shades, uh, for Christian Grey, I thought was impeccable. Um, I would have loved to have seen that movie. I still loved watching uh, Jamin Dornan and he does an incredible job. He's just a very different Christian Grey. I, it's, it's so crazy. E.L. James had huge control over this movie, but Sam Taylor Johnson is, I think, why so many people signed on. I'm sure that that's why Jamie Dornan signed on. I'm sure that's why uh, Dakota Johnson signed on. Danny Elfman, like just so many people got involved in this because this is the woman who directed Aaron Taylor Johnson in Nowhere Boy, mm -hmm. which is so good. Such a good film. And she's just such a really, I think, dramatic and dynamic filmmaker. And if you look at what they did with Catherine Hardwick, that's the same thing. This is the same company that did Fifty Shades of Grey Summit. They're literally doing the same formula. Get a Kristen Stewart type in Dakota Johnson. Get a indie female film director to helmet with a writer who's very much involved in the process of it and hope that moms and teenagers show up. And then they did. So I think they did that so well. And also that the, the soundtrack of this uh, movie is a million times better than the movie itself. And I still love the movie, but Sia's uh, Salted Wound, 
it was made for this movie. Beyonce did a cover of Crazy in Love for this movie. That was the trailer was based off of. I just I, there's so many aspects of this thing that's that are great. It is like 60 yards ahead of Suicide Squad. But the same reason why I, why I get angry at Suicide Squad when it goes terribly is why I like this movie, because I'm with it for most of it. That's fair. I, I feel like as this movie plays out, though, there's a reason why my favorite parts of these films are, or at least this movie is like the first 30, 35 minutes. And that, that's because afterwards, it's almost like if you make love to someone that you do not love at all, that you realize even halfway during, you're like, I don't want to date this part. What the hell am I doing? Mm -hmm. Because it it I, it never goes anywhere. I, I never feel any more chemistry than I did at the beginning. And I, part of that I can understand is the point where they're trying to keep a distant because they're not sure what these two leads want to do with, with the other person. Do I want to make this work? Am I just here for fun and games? What am I doing? Am I wasting my life with this person? But at some point, I need you to do something else. And I just never feel like this movie gets across that bridge. It just, and, and I think that's why a lot of people are let down by the lack of, um, cause there's definitely some adventurous sex scenes in this movie, but I think people wanted it to go further once they realized that this movie really wasn't going to satisfy you anywhere else. You know, mm -hmm. it's like it's like you got a big bag of McDonald's and they forgot the the quarter pounder with cheese and they just gave you a small fries. You know, like, if you're going to give me fries and nothing else, give me a bag full of fries. Yeah, no, that's fair. Sex is uh, like fries, folks. Give me more. Yeah, no, I will say this. The, the sex in Fifty Shades of Grey, first of all, is is quite tame. But I don't I don't begrudge them that because the movie You can't make a porn. You can't make a porn. And already this movie's subject matter was so salacious that I think they knew they had to ride the edge of clearly okay because there were cuts of this movie that they wanted to give an NC seventeen, and that's what Summit was fearful of. Like this is a this is already an R-rated movie and is only a few cuts away from being NC-17 and therefore killing its box office potential. Like this movie, the first one made, uh, what is it? 85 uh, million opening weekend. 85 million opening weekend. I think 500 yeah. and something, a little bit over half a billion for the total run of the movie. This is an R-rated movie. Mm -hmm. This is an R-rated movie that does not happen. That is very, very difficult to like churn in those type of money. That's like Deadpool type money for for an R-rated uh, franchise. The first Twilight didn't do that number. It did four hundred million, but that was PG thirteen. So I, I think it. Um, I, I don't. I don't mind how tame the sex is. The tame in the book. The sex in the book isn't that crazy. Trust me when I tell you the stuff in Fifty Shades of Grey is like D plus level porn type stuff as far as the romance novels I read. <laughs> Wouldn't this movie been way better if they were vampires? Like, I mean, why they weren't they vampires? vampires? Well, they were originally. And that I was, know. Well, they weren't vampires because she didn't want to get sued. It'd we're be gonna, way sexier. So <laughs> let's just go ahead and talk about this. There's huge aspects of this movie that are about the actual creation of it. First of all, E.L. James, because she was a self-publisher and because she was smart enough to know that this book series was bigger than her because she'd already seen the popularity of it from the pages of her fan fiction site. And she also knew that she was going to be up for litigation because Stephanie Myers tried to sue her while it was still a fan fiction, Ooh. when it was still Master of My Universe. That was what it was originally called. And yes, I read the Wattpad. Uh, when it was still just a fan fiction site, Stephanie uh, Myers tried to sue her and she lost that suit. And it allowed the characters to continue because she changed it. Originally, when it was Master of My Universe, it was Bella and Edward, and they were just reimagined as modern day people, but it was the same character names. So like, you actually had Jacob 
be the the best friend. They were all real. And then she changed all the names and changed everything about it and turned it into Fifty Shades of Grey. And that's the reason why it is the way that it is. The thing that I think is more about it is the fact that E.L. James had so much control. She had control over who the director was. She wanted Angelina Jolie. They couldn't make that happen. She had an entirely different vision for who the character should be. She, I think, wanted Henry Cavill to play Christian Grey. So it was her and Sam Taylor Johnson arguing every day on set. Everyone involved in production and the bigger part of the movie, knowing that Sam was probably making the better movie, but that E.L. James didn't want a better movie and actually said this on set. I don't want a better movie. I want my movie. Yeah, I mean, that it's a tough thing to work with if you're a director. And that's what Sam Taylor Johnson has intimated in interviews is that just every scene was a struggle because you had two different visions the entire time. And when that clashes, usually the movie doesn't even get made. So it's a miracle this movie even came out in any mm-hmm. form. And I, I think that, that just we're always trained to go against the the overbearing author because we don't like the source material we don't think it's that all that quality and so we go with the director i don't know what the dynamic that sam taylor johnson signed on for you know i I don't know if you sign if you sign a con knowing that this author is going to be on set every day or if they just kind of let them uh, let them come in it's like whose movie is this because at the end of the day you have to have somebody who's able to say thank you for your input i'm making this movie my way and it doesn't seem like that was ever clarified (laughs) with with this particular franchise for that matter and so the the thing about this starting out as twilight fan fiction that's so fascinating to me is that i think it works I think it does work as a modern day, this is a vampire, because does anybody need you to sign an NDA more than, I don't know, a mythological beast that it does not want to let humanity know exists? You, you, you may want an NDA for that one. You know, hey, that's my coffin where I sleep and I turn into a bat on the weekends. Sign this NDA so nobody else can tell you what's going on. And then you make it more tame where it's two human beings. And so I... I, I think that Jamie Dornan particularly was I, I don't really love his performance or Dakota Johnson's performance, but like you were saying, Jack, when it feels like Jamie Dornan was kind of like the third string quarterback that was thrown into this role that was not it was not originally him because I I think Charlie Hunnam was was gonna be yeah. this at some point. Charlie Hunnam was cast. Uh, E.L. James uh, wanted Ryan Gosling. I said Henry Cavill. I was wrong. That was actually Stephanie Meyer for uh, Twilight. Because, yes, I've studied all of these. Like, I was somebody at this time that was invested in who they were casting in this. And so I saw the mashup video with Alexis Bledel and Ian Somnholder being Anastasia and, and, and Christian. And just so you know, both of those people are a more physical representation of what those characters are. Like, Bella is very wide eyed, short. And granted, she has blue eyes, but you can get contacts like, you know what I mean? But like a wide eyed, small, skinny girl and Christian, very statuesque and steely for everything Jamie Dornan is. Don't get me wrong. He's a hideous murderer in the fall. And I think that secured him this role way more than anything else he ever did. The fact that he played a serial uh, killer in the fall. But he's not steely like that. He's crafty and he's like sneaky. And I definitely am like, okay, you might be a dude that. I have to check your text messages, but it's not it's not that sort of like calculating you're a meal. Which Gosling is, what, is yeah. steely, but apparently Gosling doesn't do sequels. It's yes! which is so funny to me. It's yeah. like I, I don't do sequels. Like who makes a blanket statement? I guess Ryan Gosling can make a blanket statement like that. And so Ryan Gosling is out. Charlie Hunnam, I think, was cast, and then there was like a change.org. One of those. Oh, you got to remake the Last Jedi petitions 
came out and they didn't want Charlie Hunnam anymore. And so I don't know if that's why he got replaced, but they, they, they went through a lot of folks before they arrived at Jamie Dornan. We're going to get to open the mailbag this week. So let's go ahead and rip that thing on open. Hey, kids, we're going to talk today to our Ketchup Crew member, Mr. Donald Rogers. Hey, all very quickly. I just recently started listening to Rotten Tomatoes is Wrong and y'all are everything. I dig the new two minutes with Tim theme song. Thank you, Lucy. Hope y'all could review one of my favorite movies closer directed by the late great Mike Nichols. It falls under one of my favorite genres of people reading each other for filth. Shout out to RuPaul's Drag Race and reading. Well, just gay culture and reading. But anyway, his the movie pros, according to Donald R., the dialogue, I mean, tastes like you, but sweeter, became a fallout boy lyric. Clive Owen's hand on Natalie Portman's face, so hot. Clive Owen crying in a strip club, also hot. And maybe I'm just horny for Clive Owen. The only con is the blower's daughter. He is right about that. If we watch the film, you'll see. Anyway, I'd love to know what y'all think about the film. Currently, it's 68% on the tomato meter and has an audience score of 81%. Thanks for taking the time to read this, Donald. Donald, sir, first of all, every there's like so many clues within this that you and I would be besties. The fallout boy shout out <laughs> and calling Mike Nichols great. Already love you. Also, though, reading people for filth movie, because that is exactly what this movie is. This movie is a bunch of rich, privileged, oversexed white people with the wrong people, sometimes with the right people telling each other why they are wrong and right for each other. And Natalie Portman is incredibly sexy and sensual. And she has great wig games. I have never seen this whole movie. I did not piece together that it was Mike Nichols who directed this. The guy who did The Birdcage, classic comedy director Mike Nichols did this movie. And so I'm in. I, I will watch this. But every time I put on Closer, I've tried to watch it like six or seven times. Within 20 minutes, I'm asleep. And I don't know if that's me, if that's the movie. There's other films like that where I just cannot make it through the whole movie. So I'm not saying this is a fantastic beast situation yet, but... If I put this movie, I'm going to try to watch it if we do it on the show. If I fall asleep, I will be honest. And I'll say, look, this movie put me to sleep. Jacqueline, tell me the rest of the movie. Yeah, no, I'm not going to lie to you. It It is a slower start, but it is a okay. great um, uh, Mike Nichols, um, I believe. And I may be wrong with this, but I'm pretty sure he came from the stage world first or spent a considerable time in the stage world because so many of his films have that like theater stage, like play oh, yeah. quality to them. Um, so, yeah, I, I do believe that that is correct. But again, I'm, I'm going to have to, um, yeah, I'm going to have to like double check on that one. Either way, I uh, I do love this movie. It is very well done. I think the 81% audience score is way closer to what it is in real life. Donald, but thank hey, you, sir. You got me. Crying in a strip club? You're, <laughs> you're talking about I Mark mean, he really is, though. Yeah, he really is. Oh, yeah. Natalie Portman gives him a lap dance. It's a great movie. It's a very sexy, great movie. Jude Law and... Uh, Julia Roberts as well. Very good. All right. Thanks, Donald. We'll see if we can get that on there. We have a very hefty uh, programming schedule coming up. So let's see if we can fit that one in there. That's it for us today on Rotten Tomatoes is Wrong. I really did enjoy just you and I talking today, Mark. I know we didn't have an illustrious guest, but I love the love fest between just us. We had producer Lucy, who's uh, who's beveraging and in the in the wee morning hours. And we're proud of you for doing that. I had a great time rewatching this movie. I'm in to do the whole the whole trilogy. I think that I would. I you know what? I might fall asleep watching Closer. I don't think I'm going to fall asleep watching Fifty Shades. What is it? Grayer or Fifty Shades Black? 
Fifty Shades Magnum. I, I can't remember what the names of the sequels are, but I know that there's two other ones. And so I'm into watching. I also have a recommendation in this vein for people. And Jacqueline, I think you might be a prime target audience for this. So I have a pal um, who years ago, she uh, wrote some trivia questions on the movie Trivia Schmodown, one of her many credits. Her name is Erin Parisian, and she is now an accomplished author who is writing a novel series. You can get it online or physical copies. It's called Northern California Cowboys and the romance novels. You have His Lucky Break and His Saving Grace. And so when this comes out, I'm going to retweet her um, mention of it on my Twitter account at Mark Ellis Live. So y'all can go out there and check it out wherever you enjoy your ebooks. Northern California Cowboys. What more could you want out of life? I dig it. I love you gave a book recommendation. Technically, I did for telling folks to check out Kyle's book. Uh, yeah. Harder, faster. I got to remember it, but it's the book on. Uh, Mad Max Fury Road, the oral history on Mad Max Fury Road by Kyle Buchanan. And for me personally, I'm going to give a recommendation of a film I just saw at the Sundance Film Festival because over the weekend that wrapped and I got to see a ton of really great films, including one with Emma Thompson that is also similar to this. And it is called Good Luck Leo Grande. It'll be out later this year. It's a Fox Searchlight feature. Emma Thompson is an aging widow who hires a male escort. And if that isn't enough of a log line to get you into it, I don't know what is. I remember reading about this. I remember reading about this and I want to check it out. And I'm glad you recommended it because it has the Jacqueline so Coley Silver proof. Despite you calling Fifty Shades of Grey fresh, I still trust your opinion mostly when it comes to movies. Speaking of Emma's, as we say goodnight here, do you remember Emma Watson's tweet when she, oh when she was Oh my God. To be in 50. So I'm going to read y'all Emma Watson's Hermione Granger from Harry Potter and a bunch of other great things. She was rumored to be playing Anastasia in Fifty Shades of Grey, to which she tweeted, who here actually thinks I would do Fifty Shades of Grey as a movie? Like, really? For real? In real life? It's a pretty hard no. Yeah. It's a pretty hard no from Emma. Exactly. And the one thing I will tell you is underneath the comments of that tweet, still to this day, there is a ton of people being like, right here, this one. I want you to do it. Yeah. It took her saying that to really get people to stop talking about it. But if you think they still didn't want it, Please. Uh. Please. Okay, again, thank you again, Mark. Uh, again, everyone, please check out uh, Good Luck, Leo Grande. Emma's incredible in it. Her co-star, uh, McCormick, is also incredible in it. And yeah, like, Emma goes for it, y'all. This is, um, I think this is one of the best things I've seen her in, and she has so many great wow. things. So, yeah. Everyone, be like Donald. Email us <laughs> at Rotten Tomatoes is Wrong. <laughs> And let us know which films you want to recommend, horny or not. This has been a very, very thirsty episode, and I approve. Mm -hmm. But you can recommend anything wherever you're listening to this. Please rate, subscribe, review. Tell your friends about us. Again, we have so many great films coming up, including next week's episode, Mark. I feel like we've also talked about this one today because we are going to see the sequel of one that I mentioned. What, we got The Suicide Squad? Yeah, the, the Suicide Squad. The Suicide Squad. This is the James Gunn version that came out recently that spawned the Peacemaker um, and confused everyone into thinking that you that Warner Brothers didn't know who Idris Elba and Mike and uh, Will Smith were. Not kidding you. There was like an entire conspiracy theory when that first trailer came out where people were like, "Do they think they can just recast Idris Elba like this is Terrence Howard and Donald <laughs> Don Cheadle and we're just Don not going to notice and we're just not going to notice." Like literally, that was like Black Twitter had an entire like Illuminati type of conspiracy theory about that. So I'm going to talk about that next week. But it's we may also mention the movie, which I have not seen yet. And so I'm going to get to see for the first time. 
enjoy and i i'm watching peacemaker i got to talk to the folks who made peacemaker at a junket for rotten tomatoes a couple weeks ago i had a blast talking to him and all i'll say about peacemaker the show is eagerly just know eagerly and everything else is going to fall into place cannot wait to chat that movie with you i cannot wait anyway as well and uh yeah that's it for us today we will see you guys next week we want to thank you all for listening happy valentine's day and happy super bowl and we'll see y'all next week (laughs) sign your ndas folks